On this podcast, we talk to the legend of Kilkenny hurling that is Eddie Kerr. Now, obviously, Kilkenny has a lot of legends down through the years, but um, here are Eddie's stats, just for example. Six All-Ireland medals, three National Leagues, five All-Star awards, 10 Leinster hurling titles, and also in there, we have a Kilkenny Club hurling medal with a roar in a stieg. That was in 1968. And needless to say, there's been an awful lot more as well. Eddie, it's an honour to be here with you in your lovely home in Innishtig. Um, But I want to ask you, first of all, how's the golf going? Uh, that's a, a very broad question, Michael. <laughs> uh, yesterday, it wasn't too bad. A yeah. week ago, it was very poor. Uh, and hopefully it'll get better as the summer goes on. Yeah. I have a lot of golf outings planned for the... And we'll be going on the Calester travel trip in September. So I want to... Uh, be keep good in for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose it's it's totally natural that fellas like yourself, former hurlers or players, uh, generally get into the golf at some stage in their their lives. Yeah, it is natural. It's a different game, totally. You yeah, know, it's a, it's a four hour, five hour game sometimes um, that you have to keep your concentration, and it's slow that you got to wind down to adapt to it. But uh, it's a great game. It's a great game for us to be involved in competitive a competitive yeah. game when you're used to being competitive all your all your life at hurling yeah. or any other sport so it's great from a lot of points of view as well as that the social aspect is very good we get the opportunity to meet players uh, continue to meet players that you played with and and also players that you played against uh, both hurlers uh, and then also we get the opportunity to meet footballers that we would never have had the opportunity to meet so from that point of view it's a great sport to be involved in very good eddie let's let's walk through your your time hurling um and i said the first thing about it is okay you come from a hurling territory here in this part of kilkenny mm. but in actual fact it wasn't fully in your background because your dad was a footballer he was my dad was born i uh, was born in roscommon a place called belly dooley near orne uh county roscommon and played football um, with with the Orn club there, and I think he got a couple of runs with with the uh, Roscommon football team. They weren't uh, winning all earns around at that stage, but then he joined the guards. He was one of the early first batch of guards, and he was posted to Kilkenny. So he was in Kilkenny um, first of all. I think he spent uh, some years in Tullerone, and then he was transferred to Nesteeg. And that's where he met my mother. My mother's from here in Innistig. So uh, that was his route. And they got married, obviously. And uh, two children, myself and my sister, Eileen. Uh, but you're right, we're sort of in hurling territory here, whereas he came from a, a, a football background. So um, hurling was the thing played here. And we had our heroes. You talk about... Uh, the 40s, late 40s, early 50s, you know, you had Kilkenny won the All-Ireland in 47 and the Jim Langtons and Jack Mulcahy's Paddy Graces, they were the people we looked up to and they probably inspired us. Um, and uh, it sort of drifted from there. Now, Innistig itself wasn't, um, wasn't, wasn't very strong. They had hurling, but they weren't prominent in the championship or anything like that. But... Um, I lived, uh, we lived down on the square. My mother ran a shop down on the square in Innistig and there was a pub beside us, Ryan's, and there was three brothers there and their father was a big hurling man and he had them out hurling and I was in it, in the back of our house. There was a big garden at both 
backs of both houses and I could hear this clattering going on next door. And I remember saying to my sister, what's, what's going on in there? Uh, she had a tennis racket, I think. And she said, oh, that's the Rhines, they're hurling. So eventually we sort of got together and started hurling in the back. And then we moved out to the square down there, which looks like a postage stamp now, but in our time it was Croke Park and that's where we played our matches and then graduated from there. From there. And I suppose you graduated through another institution, Kieran's in Kilkenny, which is a, a nursery, of course, for Kilkenny hurling. Fantastic. I went in as a boarder there. Um, we had been playing here under 14, was the only competition I played. I think we won two county championships with the club. We had a good young team at that stage. Um, but when I went to Kieran's, Kieran, uh, Kieran, the hurling in Kieran's had gone down a bit. Mm. But I remember um, one of the Ryan brothers, actually, Michael, telling me that next year there was this priest coming, uh, Father Tommy Marr. He was in Crumlin in Dublin and he'd done great work up there in Hurling. And he was coming as Dean in Cairns. And that really inspired my life. I mean, he had a huge impact on my Hurling career um, and his his coaching methods still stand today, uh, you know, things he did like in the old days, like training was uh, backs and forwards and a few rounds of the field and that was it. But he was the first to analyze every skill in the game of hurling and developed develop methods of, 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 of teaching and of practicing these skills. And uh, he was unbelievable, really. And uh, like he managed Kilkenny. I know we talk about Brian Cody at the moment, but he managed Kilkenny to seven all Irelands, you know. And like Kilkenny had been down a bit, like from forty seven, uh, they hadn't been winning and he he uh, Paddy Grace asked him to take over the Kilkenny team and he won in an uh, All Ireland with them in fifty seven, which was his first one. And then he went on to win six more with, with the county. So like he had a huge impact on my hurling career, but in hurling in general. And of course, Brian Cody was coached under him as well. So there's a sort of a line there. I suppose with that kind of influence uh, behind you, it didn't take you too long to get onto Kilkenny teams, minor teams, first of all. Mm. Now, we all know every minor is young, but <laughs> you were especially young. I was, I, I suppose. I Now I wonder, looking at lads, how I did get on the team. But I have four Leinster minor medals, yeah. which is sort of unusual. Now, I, I won no All-Ireland. Uh, we were beaten in two All-Irelands. We were beaten by Galway in the semi-final 58. We were beaten by Tip in in. 57 and 59 uh, and uh, in 59 I played in three All-Ireland finals we won the colleges under Father Tommy Marr and were beaten in the minor and then I got I was drafted in for the senior team on, in that year as well uh, for the replay between Kilkenny and Waterford um, uh, that was a terrific match between Kilkenny and Waterford the drawn game and then I was brought on the panel for the for the replay, which was beyond my wildest dreams, you know. What was it like, Eddie, to be involved in that fifty nine? Looking back on it now, because that was a milestone event from Waterford Harding point of view, which yeah. they're still dreaming of. Yeah. <laughs> I I I think that Waterford team between fifty seven and 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 sixty three 
were a fantastic hurling team. Now, they had just gone over. We beat them in 63. They had just gone over a little bit the top, I'd say, at that stage. But yeah. that was a fantastic Waterford team. And and Waterford, a great hurling county, and they've had great teams in between and wonderful players, unfortunately, didn't succeed in winning All-Ireland. So I'd say hopes are high this year, maybe, in, in, in Waterford. But there's a lot of good teams out I there know. still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it didn't, it, that was your progression, I suppose, mm-hmm. at that stage, obviously onto the Kilkenny senior team. I'll jump you forward a small bit to 1962 when Kilkenny won the National League. And we always think of Kilkenny just winning titles mm-hmm. year in, year out. Mm-hmm. But in fact, mm-hmm. there was a gap previous to you winning a National League in the county. Yeah, uh, I think, I'm not sure now, but I th- I'd have to look up. But I think Kilkenny had only won two mm. National Leagues before that. That was a third, I think. And uh, it was unusual. And I suppose the other unusual, well, t- thing about it, it wasn't unusual, but um, we played Cork in the final and Christy Ring, was, I'd say, his last yeah. major game. You know, like he played Railway Cup, I think, uh, in 63 uh, after that. And I think he retired after that. Uh, but um, it was a huge honour to be on the same field as, as, as Christy. Yeah. Through the 60s, then, obviously, uh, like any county, good days and bad days. But, mm. of course, Kilkenny were up there mm. with the tips mm. and the corks yeah, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and to be part of that must have been something special. It was really great because, again, we were under the influence of Father Mara. Mm. He was developing a team, um, uh, you know, over that decade and and some very good teams. And we had won uh, three All-Irelands in that decade, 63 uh, 67 and 69 um, now Tip were the big team at that time and uh, we hadn't beaten Tip for God knows how 40 years or something uh, Kilkenny and it was always said like um, oh you know uh, Kilkenny are the fancy hurlers but Tip you know when they come w- with the strength and, uh, and that that they'd blow them out of it which they were inclined to do after say but Father Mar was very anxious to beat Tip in All Ireland, and he sort of developed a strong team up the middle, um, particularly and good hurlers on the wing, sort of thing. And sort of the high noon was sixty-seven, and that was a tough match. But it could be said, I suppose, that we managed them, managed them for toughness as well as skill, and we we actually overcame them on that day. I have particular memories, Eddie, of the 69 final because it was the first for hurling final that I was actually at. Okay. Been in Croke Park a few times before that because obviously Galway footballers were strong in the day. Yeah. But I uh, have distinct memories of that game. Do you? Well, I have uh, several very nice memories. Mm. Obviously, I was actually captain of Kilkenny that, that yeah. year, which made it very, very special. My own club... Uh, in Kilkenny, the rule still is you have to win a senior championship and then nominate uh, uh, someone to be captain of the senior team. And I got that honour after winning 68 here in the county and uh, got the honour of being captain in 69, the day you're referring to, Michael. Um, I have very good memories. I mean, uh, there was a certain responsibility of being captain. You know, uh, it wasn't, you know, you just felt that you had a, a role to play in, in to try and lead the team in some sort of way. And like all Kilkenny 
Cork matches. It was a great match and very close. And I think th there was an incident in that match. Um, yeah, that was the year. I think Pat Gillaney got injured. He got, uh, and the Cork fullback was put off as a result. Uh, now he was centre forward and I was half forward. And I was moved in centre forward. And um, Paddy Moran, I think, who was injured before the match, came on. And at that stage, I think the, the injury to Patelini affected the Cork team more than us. And we sort of got a run on him at that stage. And I think at the end, we were reasonably comfortable, six or seven points, I think we won by. But then there was, a, for me, there was the huge honour of receiving, walking up to Hogan stand and receiving the cup from the president. So that is obviously a very special memory of mine. And, and that whole business then, after that, of bringing the Lee McCarthy down to the county. Yeah. It, that's still special, but obviously then. Very, very special. Now, I was actually living in Dublin at that time. So yeah. I, I, I was I worked in the bank, as you know, and I was um, working in Capel Street, I think at the time, Provincial Bank, as it was in Capel Street. And so I traveled down. I had to travel down and up and, and that. But going around to the schools, going around to the clubs, I mean, it was a huge thing. And um, very, very special and great memories of that year. Let's talk about another big game that you were involved in because this was 1971. And there were there were a few things about that match that were interesting. First of all, it was the first colour game on RTE television, first co coverage yeah. of a, an All-Ireland final in colour. Mm -hmm. um, Ollie Walsh conceded five goals in that match. I don't think Ollie would have conceded five goals nearly in his career before that, uh, which was interesting. Yeah. Babs, of course, in the bare feet. Yeah. And then you had this scoring record in the match. Uh, mm. Two goals and 11 points. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that has good and bad memories, actually, uh, that match, because um, uh, we had a good team. You know, we, we had been building that team of the 60s into the 70s, and, um, and it did become successful anyway uh, later on in the 60 the following years but 71 I think it could be said that we should have beaten Tip that day uh, there was a few things sort of went wrong as they do yeah. in matches but when you mentioned Ali Ali as I remember had a had an appendix operation very close to the game and it was one of these things will he or won't he or will he or won't he and probably uh the, the the correct decision was that he probably wasn't fully fit for the game and probably should have uh, stood down but uh, or should have been you know given a rest or maybe brought in or whatever but um uh, the, i think tip did get a few goals that ollie would have no problem with in 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 the full of his health you know uh, after a brilliant career in, in kilkenny goals but um there was uh, there was that I suppose. Um, the other thing was that it was an eighty minute game. That's right. Uh, yeah. They they had an eighty minute. They went from sixty to eighty. I think in seventy uh, was about two three years. Then went back to and seventy back to, minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, as well as the television color, there was a few significant things about that game. There was another significant thing from your own personal point of view. You won the first of your All-Stars, the first yeah. year, indeed, of yeah. the All-Stars. And that was a huge thing. Now, th there was uh, uh, there's some GA people, uh, I think uh, um, journalists as well, had a scheme in the 60s, uh, the um, Cú Cullen. Cú Cullen Awards. 
and they did a lovely job on it, probably on a shoestring. Yeah. But um, I think Mick Dunn and Paddy Downey and John D. Hickey and those um, had had this idea all the time in the back of their minds, and they approached Carl's Cigarette Company for sponsorship. And Carl's came in, uh, Pat Heenan, I think, was the that's right PR man uh, for Carl's. And they came in for, with all guns blazing, did a super job on it. Like the f things we, we never got, we got blazers and stuff, you know, and were decked out. And um, it was it was a huge occasion and a, a huge honor, obviously, to be selected on that team from the whole country. And then, of course, you had the trips. Yes, that that was the icing on the cake. Like we had been to the East Coast, maybe New York, um, Chicago, um, uh, on trips, but going to the West Coast was out of this world. And that was the first trip in 71. Uh, and I got a number of them, as you know, after that. But going, that was fantastic. You know, bonus for a, an amateur player to get over there on those trips. And the All-Stars obviously still going strong. Mm. Um, to go forward a year, 1972, when people are looking back on clips of your good self, there's one clip that always figures in it, which is a goal you scored and you came running back out to your position with blood pumping down out of your face. Do you recall all that? I do. I, I mean, uh, you never thought of, you know, getting injured out on yeah. the field. You never, like, um, contrast, we can go to it later with what happens today. But um, I, uh, the, I was playing corner forward at the time and I remember... Chairman Mick O'Neill ran into me at this stage of the game and said, switch out to half forward. And I, I was marking Tony Marr uh, at the time from Cork. And I ran out to the half forward position and Tony came after me like a leech on my back. And I remember um, Frank Cummins made a, a hook, I think, on Dennis Collin. And Chunky O'Brien, who was a brilliant horror, stylish horror, got the ball. And I saw him looking down and he hit the ball in front of me and I took it on hurl into the hand and I turned to go in and Tony had his hurl up and whether I ran into it or he, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, I got a nick on the side, you know, in a, in a match it would bleed fairly profusely. But someone was saying, uh, someone said, uh, that was looking at the shot recently, uh, someone said, Jeepers, no one came into you with a bag or anything like they just that was carry it. on, carry on. <laughs> yeah. So that that shot seems to appear quite often on television. It does. I, I heard a few quotes down through the time of people like Matt Ruth, a, a mm. colleague of yours, saying mm. that Eddie Kerr was always able to look after himself on the field. <laughs> and I thought the best one was the great tip legend John Doyle said, when Eddie Kerr hit you, you knew you were hit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose I had speed at that time and uh, over short distance. And, you know, I was probably strong at the time. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and you needed to be strong in the yeah, game, Eddie, oh, in those days, because it was a tough game. It still is a tough game, but especially back in those days. Well, backs at that stage, rightly so, could tackle you. They can't tackle you at the moment. I don't know how a back operates at the moment, because if a fella comes in on a solo run now and anyone touches him, it's a free, first of all, but the back gets a yellow card or even a red card. I think that's terrible. Like, I mean, it's up to the forward, in my opinion, to avoid tackles, you know. So uh, that's another big discussion we could have sometime. Do you not think 
just looking back in it, some of those backs you talk about, they had a kind of a James Bond fixation, license to kill. Yeah, I'd say you put it right there, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the strange thing was there wasn't that many serious injuries, mm. you know. Uh, I think, um, you know, I think everyone uh, respected each other, you know, um, that you had a dangerous implement in your hand, you know. And if a fella used it, wrongly in yes. most cases he'd be just sent off and that's it but uh, I remember um, Fan Larkin saying at one stage as you know Fan was yeah. five foot four or something yeah. but as tough as nails and I remember um, someone saying to him how would you mark a fella like Ray Cummins you know who's about six foot four and Fan said I can't think of his first name uh, Henry Cole the fella that invented the Colt 45 revolver that you would have seen in the films yes, in course, your young yeah. days. He said, Colt said that the Colt 45 makes everyone equal. So a fan said a hurdle makes everyone equal too, he said. So, <laughs> <laughs> or as they used to say in Cork back in the days when they were up against tough forwards and that, just lower the blades. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Me, yeah. You, after a great career, uh, you decided around 1977 yeah. To call it a day? Yeah, it, it sort of, uh, in some ways it came suddenly and in other words, it was probably coming for a while. I remember in the 77 Leinster final, um, I remember we, we played Wexford and were beaten in Wexford, but I think we were, we were down about two or three points in the last few minutes and I got a ball maybe 35 yards out or 30 yards out, or 35 I suppose, and went on a sort of, we need a goal. Mm. And normally in that position, like when I was in my heyday, I'd lose a back, you know, uh, I'd be able to yeah. outrun a back and score it. But the Wexford back was right on my tail and I couldn't shake loose. And uh, I didn't, I got a stroke in, but a uh, half stroke in it, the goalie deflected over the bar or something. But I remember after that match, I lost my pace, you know, and I able to, so that was 77. And then as well as that, the Roar and Stieg were in. We we had two draws and a win uh, in the semi-final of the county championship. And then we played James Stevens and we had a huge run one week after another. And uh, we, we played the county final against James Stevens. And I was just shattered after that yeah. thing. I felt that. And um, I remember uh, the the sun the Sunday after that game, uh, Kilkenny were playing Dublin in possibly the league or something. And I remember selector coming to me, saying, "Are you okay for next Sunday?" And I said, "I'm not. You know, I think I'll yeah. hand in my resignation or whatever." I said, yeah. but um, so that that was more or less. Um, I played with the club for years after, of course, but that was my last season for Kilkenny. <laughs> Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. 
To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. After your playing days with Kilkenny, uh, you still stayed involved with the county from a selection point of view yeah. and uh, so on. Yourself and Pat Henderson yeah. uh, worked together for a while. Um, and you were there, of course, in 79, that particular iron final against right. Galway. That's right, yeah. Um, again, it was a sort of an unusual transition, sort of nearly almost straight into into management. And um I think the Shamrocks had won the county final and they nominated myself and Pat Henderson to be joint managers. So, like, our experience on the field was obviously yeah. great, but management, you know, but it, obviously management at that stage wasn't as owners as it is now. But, um, you know, we had, with sort of the team of the 70s still there, good few retirements, but a lot of great players still there. And... Uh, we were delighted that we got to the final. Now we played Galway in the final, and I think we got a few lucky breaks. It was a very bad day, and uh, but came out emerged winners, and it was great to having played and won all Ireland's to actually be a part of the management of, of another. And also from outside the county, a significance about that particular year was Galway were now just about to come into their own and hurling. Yeah, they were knocking on the door. Yeah. Like, I mean, from from uh, the 70s, like we beat them in 75 All-Ireland, a great team like the Connollys. And, you know, there were beautiful players, um, Iggy Clark and yeah. that, all those great players. Um, and they were probably, uh, 75 was their first big day, which, you know, we, d- we did succeed probably with experience mm. and, and got over them. But... Um, they came then, you know, uh, that team sort of progressed and con- uh, contested uh, great games, but finally got over the, the, the line in 1980. And that was a wonderful occasion for hurling as well as for Galway. Sure, yeah. Um, through your time with Kenny, obviously you played for a couple of years with Brian Cody on that team. Could you have seen, Eddie, Brian Cody going forward to be the influence that he has become on Kilkenny Harding. Well, I, I I suppose I could say I wouldn't have seen it as a management. I mean, he was a brilliant hurler, a brilliant minor for Kilkenny. He played an outstanding centre-half back um, and played under 21, I'd say, for two years. Uh, his last year, I think, was 72 um, and uh, from minor as well. Mm. And he was drafted into the senior team then in 73. And he played... Uh, wing for wing back, I think, in '73, a brilliant hurler. He had trouble with his knees, which uh, I don't know how he overcome came, and there was no treatment like there is today for that sort of problem. But he would have even a more um, outstanding career uh, on the hurling field, uh, probably with if he could sort out his knee problem. Um, but he played up to um, '83, wasn't it? '82, '83. About that, yeah. Ireland, yeah. yeah. But he he was a of I suppose quite dis- disposition. He did his talking on the field, and and that was as I knew him then. But as we all know him now, he became one of the greatest. I'd say the greatest manager of all time, and his record 
uh, shows that. And I think his whole attitude to the game, uh, I suppose, comes out in the Kilkenny teams that he's managed. Yeah. Like he always, I, what I always liked about Brian, the word he used all the time in interviews afterwards or whatever is honesty. And I think uh, even though I'm from Kilkenny and maybe biased, but I, I would have to say that the Kilkenny teams under Brian Cody have always played with honesty. They played it hard. They played it within the rules. Uh, and But they were honest, you know. And I'm, I'm afraid the honesty has gone out of hurling a bit at the moment with, um, I see, and I've, I've even heard managers expressing the view that they were quite legitimate in sort of um, feigning injury and, you know, the two guys coming in with the bag and telling fellas to stay down and hopefully the opposition will get carded or um, red, yellow or red cards for a, for an injury. You know, I, I I hate to see that creeping into the game, Michael, and, and I'd like to see more of Brian Cody's honesty. You know, I know in our time, if you got an injury, I was talking to met Len Gaynor there, yeah, and the, and in Kilkenny about a fortnight ago, and we're just talking about this, and I said to him, in our time, if you got injured, you didn't want to give it to say you were injured to the opposition. You got up and you know hurled away as best you could, uh, but now they seem to dive down. Uh, I'm not saying everyone, but it it has become a feature of the game that I don't like. Yeah, I suppose that's that's a, a cultural and sport generally, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm afraid so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any great team, and and obviously Brian has has presided over a lot of great teams in his mm. tenure. Um, you also need a couple of special players. Um, who would you admire most of? Let's say the last twenty years of Kilkenny hurling. God, that's a tough one now because I mean Henry is the obvious one. Yes, DJ yeah. Carey is the obvious one. Eddie Brennan. Um, God, I'd be afraid to leave out people I now. Know what you mean. Yeah. Currently, T.J. Reid is uh, a standing player, and then you have in the defence you have like Tommy Welsh, um, um, Noel Hickey. Um, uh, God, I'm leaving out someone now. I suppose I, I suppose Shefflin probably would have got on most Kilkenny teams. Oh God, he would. Yeah. Any of the players I've mentioned would yes, have got on yeah, yeah. any any Kilkenny team, you know. But um, uh, like we've been now. Uh, people will say we're very fortunate in Kilkenny in the last 20 years or so to have those players. But those players were also developed. Like, yes. you know, some of them weren't outstanding. They're like a Owen Larkin at minor level or that. But they were developed under Brian yeah. Cody and into outstanding players, you know. Um, so uh, Brian had a strong part in that. But... We were lucky, I mean, to get such talent. Sure. Richie Hogan is another player I forgot to mention. Richie Power, I think. Um, Richie Power was dogged with injury as well. And I felt that if Richie Power had been fit during all that period, Kilkenny could probably have a few more All-Irelands yes. even, you know. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about life outside hurling a little bit. Um, back in the day, actually, Eddie, you became involved, uh, in fact, one of the founding members, I think, of a thing called the No Name Club, which is, I suppose, a little bit like the Pioneer Association. Tell me a bit mm. about that. Well, uh, two friends of mine um, 
Father Tom Murphy, uh, who is actually from the Roar, the other side of our parish here, um, a very good friend of mine, and hurled one all Ireland's together and stuff. He was parish priest in St. John's in Kilkenny, and I was um, living in Kilkenny at the time. And uh, Eamon Doyle, a Wexford man, who was a guard in, in Kilkenny, and we were booze and pals, I suppose, did everything together. And we often discussed the fact that um, it was the, the beginning of, the, I suppose, the pub scene when young people mm -hmm. were uh, graduating into, into pubs. And we sort of felt maybe they were missing out a little bit. You know, it was a bit early uh, taking that line. And um, we t talked among ourselves. I wonder, could we organize something, uh, not an anti-alcohol, but something to give uh, an alternative to the pub, uh, an entertainment thing? So um, to, to cut the story as short as I can, Father Tom Murphy on uh, Temperance Day, uh, at a homily at mass mentioned this, you know, that be great or something. And Bobby Kerr, the father of the present known Bobby Kerr, was the manager of the New Park Hotel in Kilkenny. And he came into the sacristy after to Father Tom Murphy and Father Tom, because he was about six foot four and he saw the the door being darkened by this man, he thought he was in for that. He was given out to him about talking yeah. about alcohol, which he would be selling at the pub. But anyway, Bobby said, I was very interested in what you have to say there. He said, uh, I have a hotel up there. He said, and it's vacant on Sunday nights. He said, would you like to have it to run uh, an event? So Father Tom came to us then and uh, to Eamon and myself, and we said, we'll go up and meet him. So we went up to meet him and it took off from there. We developed uh, a sort of, it took us nine months planning uh, to get the mix right. And it started off as for everyone, not alone young people, but adults. And the place used to be packed every Sunday night. We used to run sort of a cabaret and a dance, a dance and then a disco for the younger people. And it was very, very successful. So people started coming then, heard about it, and coming from other counties, including your own county, mm. Michael Galway, which is very strong over there, to know what, what were we doing here? And they came to see it. And then we started to try and um, uh, help people set up in other areas. It was very time consuming in that, but um, it became very, very popular all over. There's about 50 clubs, I think, uh, 50 or 60 clubs operating around the country. Yeah. And it became, a, we had to form an organization then and we got some grant assistance from the government and that. So it developed from there. Uh, now, it's taken a little bit with the COVID and that has taken a bit of a dive like everything else, but uh, it's, it appears to be still going strong. Now, we've stepped out of it for the I'm out of it now, for, apart from I'm still a director, but just attend AGMs and that. But we keep in touch with a lot of the people that are involved in clubs around the country. Excellent. Very good. Mm. Before we finish our chat, there was one scenario that I have to talk to you about. A one person I want to talk to you about. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> You came across Muhammad Ali in the early 70s when he, of course, fought here in Ireland. Well, Muhammad Ali was a hero of mine for yes. a start. Yeah. And I was very, my father, who we mentioned earlier from Roscommon, was a big boxing fan. I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning with him to listen to broadcasts of maybe Joe Lewis's time uh, on the radio and Cracklin Radio. Um, 
so he, I, I always followed boxing. And uh, then, of course, we got up to see, as he was, Cassius Clay fighting Sonny Liston and, and that. So I was interested in boxing all those years. And then, of course, we started following Muhammad Ali. And then I heard he was coming to Dublin. And I got tickets for the fight, you know. This was uh, against Al Blue Lewis. Al Blue Lewis. Yeah. But I was in the, ba the Bank of Time in Capel Street and... I got a phone call from Bob Ryan, who was our PR person, uh, that um, uh, Raymond Smith had been on to him, that they were looking for some sort of an angle to promote the fight. And we were going to be in the All-Ireland, and that was 1972. And um, he said that he's staying out in the hotel. Um, name just escapes me. Right no, no, it was out the country. Um, he was staying out there and doing his training. He was able to train mm. out there as well to know would I come out and sort of give him a lesson in hurling. Uh, of course, I was absolutely, I couldn't believe what yeah. was going to happen. So, of course, I went out and brought out a couple of hurleys and a few slitters. So I went out and into the hotel and I was told that he was out running, actually. Uh, Muhammad Ali was out uh, running and I was uh, I was had a good conversation with his um, famous coach. Um, oh, the names Dundee. are escaping me, huh? Angelo Dundee. Angelo Dundee. Yeah. And uh, we had a good, uh, a good uh, conversation with him uh, and we're waiting. And then the great man arrived in a tracksuit. And I could, you know, we all knew Muhammad Ali as the what we saw on television and the interviews with uh, Parkinson and all these, you know. Yeah. But he was very quiet, just came in, you know, and I was introduced to him and I was, he was told I was a horror. And he looked at me and said, I've seen that game on television. He said, that's a very tough game, he said. And I was, he, he was looking at my face. He had no marks, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I was sort of thinking of him in with Sonny yeah. Liston and that, you know, and he was regarding hurling as a tough game. So anyway, we're talk chatting away and I he was asking me about hurling and uh, uh, I was talking to him as much as I could talk to him. And then we're called out to the press for this big thing of I was to teach him how to hurl. So I did a few simple exercising he had a hurl and he was trying to rise the ball and stuff that he couldn't manage and maybe he couldn't hit the ball or and i was just showing him a few things and then he came up close to me and he said we'll put on a show for these guys he said and he turned into the alley that we know and he started trying to hit me with the hurl <laughs> down on the head i was putting up the hurl to the guard myself and that was it really yeah. and and um he signed the hurl, which I have framed in there. You mightn't have seen it, but um, it was it was a wonderful yeah. experience for me. Like the fellow that I, I so much admired, it was a great part of my life, and hurling brought it for me. Yeah, you mentioned that being a great part of your life. I think it's fair to say, Eddie, your life in hurling has been a great part of your life. It has, you know, and when you look back, when you're playing, Michael, you don't think of, uh, sure. you know, you're, it's the next game or if you're even beaten, it's the next game or the next game or uh, you win in All-Ireland, you know, and you're looking forward to the league and you don't think of what has happened in the past. But, you know, at this stage of your life, it's, it's lovely to look back and see and you uh, noted some of the 
achievements that I, I was fortunate to, to get. And, um, you know, it brought other great honours as well, you know, that it's lovely to look back on. So it has been very good to me, certainly. Eddie Kerr, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Michael. Thank you.